Praise God and welcome to Genesis One Christian Ministries. So glad to have everyone uh, be able to join us today for uh, for God's word. And before we dive in, let's pray. <clears throat> oh, dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, most awesome and wonderful Lord, we just praise your most magnificent name. And I want to thank you, Lord God, for this ability to share your word with others and for, for everyone to be able to hear your word. Because, Lord, you know that now we need it. We need it now more than ever, Lord God. Father God, I ask that you will prepare our hearts and our minds and our spirits, Lord God, to receive your words today so that they may get sunken deep within our spirits. So that when the enemy raises his ugly head, that they will just come bubbling up without us having to think about what to say. For your word, your word says to resist the devil and he will flee, Lord God. We praise you. We love you, Lord. Open our eyes to, see, to be able to see. Open our hear, ears to hear and open our spirits to be able to understand your words today, Lord God for your glory and for your honor and for your praise in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen and amen. Well, praise God. Uh, once again, welcome to Genesis 1. So glad that you were uh, able to join us here to, to, to share, to partake in God's word. And if you don't have your Bibles already, I encourage you to just go ahead and pause, your, pause this message. Go grab your Bible and come on back because it's so critical for us as children of God, especially in the day of a, in, a, in this time, uh, uh, of of the of the world that we are really 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 looking to see what the Bible says for ourselves and we're just not buying hook line and sinker with everyone with, with what everyone is saying so it's important to be able to have your your Bible in front of you so you can see what the Word of God says Amen if you have your Bible hit on uh, unpause it and uh, let's dive right into Scripture here turn in your Bible to Exodus chapter twenty. And we're going to start in verse number one. Exodus chapter 20, verse number one. And God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in, that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. The scripture that I want to focus on there is verse number three that says, you shall have no other gods before me. And I want to talk about idols because as children of God, when we think about idols, we think about some sort of carved image. We think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego being tossed into the fiery furnace for not worshiping the statue. We think about Daniel being thrown in, a, in the lion's den, right? We think about even potentially other cultures that, 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 that have these false gods that they, that they worship. We think about the ancient Greeks and the different gods that, that they served, all right? But we don't think that in our lives as Christians that we could actually have idols, that we actually might have idols in our lives, even though 
We're not worshiping anything. We're not getting and getting down on our knees and bowing down and praying to something uh, or, or someone. Even if we're not doing that, we, we don't think that there's no way that I could have an idol in my life. But the reality is, is that we can. And some do have idols in their lives. Merriam-Webster defines idol as an object of extreme devotion. A representation or symbol of an object of worship. In other words, the way an idol is, is something that we think has some sort of divine power or is some sort of supernatural being. That's one way to think of an idol. And if you think about an idol in that perspective, saying, well, it's got a divine power or some sort of supernatural being, okay, then that means that it must be like God. And therefore, it must be like God. Guess what? It's an idol. And if anything that, that, that we think is like God and we start to treat it like God, and, and if that becomes an idol, that means that an idol in our lives doesn't have to be something we are worshiping. It could simply be anything that we exalt to the same level as God or any person that we might exalt to the same level of God. Okay. If we're putting anything above God to where it is, it is taking up every waking moment of our day, guess what? That thing has become an idol. Why? Because we thought of it as being more important than we thought of, of, of God. Idols that are in our lives then causes God's wrath to be poured out on us. As he said in verse five, for I am the Lord, your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. In God's eyes, you either love him or you don't. And if you don't love God, then that means you hate him. So what he's saying here is that if there's idols in your lives, that means you hate me. And the iniquity is going, that you have is going to be brought upon your children to the third and fourth generations. So what this shows here is that everything that we do, everything that we say, every action that we take has much bigger consequences than we originally think at times. Because God said third and fourth generations. And if you do the math there, generations uh, are, are, are different timeframes typically between 22 and 32 years. So if you go on the lower end of that spectrum, 22 years, and you see God is saying to the children of the, to the third generation, that's going to put you at about 60 years, right? A little bit more than 60, 60 years. So this is saying that not only does it have greater impacts than what we think in terms of who it can touch, it also has impacts much, 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 much further down the line than we, we, we often think. So those of us that, that are parents, we have to make sure we're setting the right example for our kids and that we're bringing them up and raising them up to, to, to understand who God is and to put God first in, our, in their lives. Because if we don't do that, it's going to have an impact on them and their grandchildren and their grandchildren's children. So it's going to keep going down the line. So we have to be very, very, very careful. All right. So what happens then if we have idols? We know that God will visit iniquity to, to further generations. We know that his wrath will be poured out beyond just what we, what, what we normally see. But what else happens, happens in those situations if we have any idols? What if I don't have any kids and therefore things aren't going to be passed down to further generations? Well, it doesn't mean that things around you won't be impacted in a negative way because they will. 
It doesn't mean that the people around you won't be impacted in a negative way because they will. So to see this, turn in your Bibles to 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel. And we are going to go to chapter 5, 1 Samuel 5. And we're going to start in verse number, uh, verse number one. Okay. First Samuel five, verse one. Then the Philistines took the ark of God and brought it, uh, brought it from Ebenezer to Ashdod. Um, so just a little bit of, of, of history here, some background information. You can read this in, in previous scripture. Okay. Uh, the Philistines defeated the Israelites and captured the, captured the ark of God. Okay. And part of the reason that this happened was because there was Eli, who was a high priest that had some sons that were doing some very uh, sinful things. And he did not actually um, he actually didn't do anything to stop them. Um, and so in, in, in chapter uh, three, actually going going further back, one of the things that God said is that because he didn't restrain them. OK, that he was going to judge his house due to the iniquity. So he's basically what God is saying there is he's doing what he said. In essence, what he said he was going to do in, in, in the previous scriptures in Exodus there, where where if you if you continue to do sinful things, then that iniquity is going to be visited to generations after you. And so in this case here, Eli did not restrain his sons and did not stop them from, from committing sinful acts, even though he should have, especially as a high priest. So God poured his wrath out to him and those, uh, and, and those after him and didn't stop. So that had an impact on Israel's ability to also be, to, to, to be, to be successful. So again, choices that we make impact those that are around us. It has further reaches than, than we actually think. So in this case here, Israelites were defeated and they captured the ark of God. Okay. Um, verse number two, when the Philistines took the Ark of God, they brought it into the house of Dagon and set it by Dagon. Now, Dagon was a, a chief god, idol, so God with a little g, a chief god that the Philistines worshipped, okay? And, and, and Ashdod, the town that they're in or the city that they're in, was one of the chief cities, one of, one of the principal cities uh, of the Philistine territory. So this false god here, I just want to kind of paint this picture here. This false god Dagon has its own temple, okay? This is a god the Philistines worship, and they took the Ark of God and put it into the house of Dagon, okay? And just a little history around the Ark of God, the, the Ark of God, this was a, um, a holy a holy thing that was that, that that was put together. Okay, you could touch it and you could die. You can look into it and you can die. So so that this was something that was sacred to God. All right. So this is not just like a, a piece of something. Like this is something that was sacred. So they took this thing that was sacred to God and they stuck it in this temple right next to this false god. Okay. Just want to paint that picture there. Verse uh verse number two again. When the Philistines took the ark of God, they brought it into the house of Dagon and set it by Dagon. And when the people of Ashdod arose early in the morning, there was Dagon falling on its face before the ark of the Lord. So look at that. They put this ark of God next to this false god and they find the false god on its face. At the end of verse three there it says, so they took Dagon and set it in its place. So they bring this holy thing and put it next to this unholy thing. The unholy thing is on the ground, this false god, and they'd have the nerve to pick it back up. Verse four. And when they arose early the next morning, there was Daniel falling on its face to the ground before the ark of the Lord. 
The head of Dagon and both the palms of its hands were broken off on the threshold. Only Dagon's torso was left of it. So there, there now we see that not only did it get knocked down the second time, but this time it was utterly destroyed. Verse 5, therefore neither the priest of Dagon nor any who came into Dagon's house tread on the threshold of Dagon and Ashdod to this day. So one of the other things that happens when, when, um, when, when we have false gods in our lives or we exalt something above God is that God will tear that thing down. Okay, God will tear that thing down. These Philistines had the nerve to bring the ark of God into this false god's house and God tore it down. They then had the nerve to actually pick it back up and erect it back in its place. And this time God utterly destroyed it. Now, perhaps he's got their attention. Let's look at verse six and see what it says. But the hand of the Lord was heavy on the people of Ashdod and he ravaged them and struck them with tumors, both Ashdod and its territory. And when the men of Ashdod saw how it was, they said, the ark of God of Israel must not remain with us for his hand is harsh toward us and Dagon our God. Therefore, they sent the gather and gathered to themselves all the lords of the Philistines and said, what shall we do with the ark of the God of Israel? And they answered, let the ark of the God of Israel be carried away to Gath. So they carried the ark of God of the God of Israel away. So you would think that God got their attention. You think that they would listen when God knocked Dagon down twice and then the second time destroyed it. But no, they didn't. They weren't listening. Then he struck them with tumors, as it says in verse six, and not just the city of Ashdod, but also its surrounding territories. So again, the things that we do and the things that we say have broader impacts than what we initially believe. They go beyond what we actually think. In this case here, people were struck with tumors. And what did they do? They said, go send it to another city because God is angry at our God, Dagon. Which as children of God, sometimes if we don't see how something in our life is taking us away from God, if we don't see that, then we don't actually get rid of it. We hold on to it instead of actually going to God. This is what the Philistines are doing here. They are so blinded to the fact that this false God Dagon shouldn't be worshipped. And they know who God is because they said that the God of Israel, the ark of the God of Israel must not remain with us in verse seven for his hand is harsh towards us. So they know who God is and they've heard about the Israelites. Okay. They heard about the God of Israel. They know what God can do. But instead of them actually saying, you know what? We need to turn away from our evil ways. They say, let's send God away somewhere else so that he doesn't punish us. So we can continue to do what we want to do. As children of God, we have to be very careful to make sure that we are not so focused on the things that we want to do that we can't see when God is trying to get our attention. That we can't see and, and, and that we can't see that we, we would prefer to do what we want to do as opposed to what God wants to do. And then when we do that, that we then can't see the destruction that takes place around us. Verse number nine. Um, let's actually just do verse eight again. Therefore, they sent and gathered to themselves all the lords of the Philistines and said, what shall we do with the ark of the God of Israel? And they answered. Let the ark of the God of Israel be carried away to Gath. 
So they carried the ark to the uh, to, of the God of Israel away. Okay, so they carried it to Gath. Gath was another principal city of the Philistines. Verse nine. So it was after they had carried away that the hand of the Lord was was against the city with a very great destruction, and he struck the men of the city, both small and great, and tumors broke out on them. So there we see again God's wrath being poured out on people that are choosing this idol over God. Verse number 10. Therefore, they sent the ark of God to Ekron. So it was as the ark of God came to Ekron that the Ekronites cried out saying, they have brought the ark of God of the God of Israel to us to kill us and our people. So they sent and gathered together all the lords of the Philistines and said, send away the ark of the God of Israel and let it go back to its own place so that it does not kill us and our people. For there was deadly destruction throughout all the city. The hand of God was very heavy there. Verse 12, And the men who did not die were stricken with, with the tumors, and the cry of the city went up to heaven. So you can see there that this evilness was, was, uh, was surrounded in all of these principal cities. All of this evilness kept taking place. And instead of anyone saying we need to do something differently, what they said was, let's send God away, if you will. Let's send this ark of God away to somewhere else. And when it got down to the Ekronites, they recognized and knew what was going on. They knew, they knew something bad was going to happen to them. Why? Because they say right there in verse number 10, they have brought the ark of God of Israel to us to kill us and our people. And what they did was they said, nope, let's go ahead and send it away. So they knew the punishment that was coming and they sent it away. What does that mean for us as children of God? We read the Bible. We study the word. We know what happens if we don't do what God wants us to do. And yet and still, we continue to do that. We continue to go down the road and go down a path that God hasn't set out for us because it's not what we want to do. Or I should say, because it's what we want to do and it's not what God wants us to do. And we can continue down this road and no matter how much destruction might be around us, no matter how much trouble we find ourselves in, we just don't break away from it. We just continue to go down that path. That happens to us as children of God, unfortunately. Okay? So we have to be able to spot those things. We have to be able to recognize that if we exalt something above God, which could also be our own will, we could exalt ourselves above God inadvertently if we think that we know better than God, okay? And if we continue to do that, God is going to bring us down. God is going to bring down anything that we try to exalt above him. It doesn't matter what it is. That fancy Chevy that you've got sitting in your, in your garage, beautiful paint job, maybe a rare paint job. You spent so much time restoring it. If you spent all your time restoring it and not focusing on God, that thing will be destroyed at some point. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's just going to boom, blow up and, and burst into flames. I'm not saying that at all. And I'd pray that that would never happen. But what it could mean is that you go to start that car up and you go take it down on the road, take it down the road, Something in the engine breaks. You get a flat tire. You repair that, something else goes on. You drop it off somewhere to have some work done and they find all sorts of other issues with it. You take it to the grocery store, you come out, you got this huge dent on the side of your, on the side of your door there because even though you parked 
three miles away from the store where no one would park their car, somebody decided to park their car next to yours and bang, they hit it with their door. Now you got this huge dent and now you got to go back and try to spend all this money to fix it again. Anything that gets exalted above God will be taken down. And then when you exalt something above God, the consequences can be great. The consequences can be great. Like we saw with these Philistine, uh, Philistine cities here, tumors, death, all of that was simply because they wanted to continue to worship this false God. They wanted to continue to exalt this God Dagon above the one true God that we, that we, that, that we worship. Whether the consequences are immediate or happen later, they stretch much farther than you may think. And if you continue to carry that idol with you, if you will, there will be destruction all around you. Okay. Now you may think that I don't have this carbon image. I don't have this car. I don't have this gadget or anything like that, 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 that I, that I exalt above God. But what about a job? What do you think about when you're at church? When you're supposed to spend some time with God and, and go study and read your Bible, do you forsake that so you could because you're too busy focusing on what's happening in the workplace? Well, guess what happens? If you do that, when you get to work, there's going to be quote unquote destruction around you. There's going to be all sorts of turmoil and issue that issues that are happening around you because you decided to take that thing of work. And you decided to exalt that above God and say, you know what? This job is more important than it is for me to go to church. This job is more important than it is for me to read the word of God. This job is more important than it is for me to actually pray to God. This job is more important than it is for me to actually listen to God. If you do that, I'm telling you, saints of God, there's going to be issues that happen around you. There's going to be all sorts of turmoils. And you run the risk of having yourself dealing with issues that you may not have had to deal with if you would have put God first. And it happens to all of us. None of us are holier than thou where we don't get a thought and maybe even act on a thought to say, I know I should go do this. I know I should spend some time with God, but I'd rather do this instead. You wake up, 2.30 in the morning. You look at your clock, it's 2.30 in the morning. You know God is trying to talk to you. You know there's something he's trying to tell you. But you decide to just lay there in bed and toss and turn so you can fall back asleep, so you can get some precious hours of sleep back instead of getting up and talking to God. Not realizing that if you would have gotten up and, and spoken to God and you would have listened to him, you would have had plenty of energy to make it through the day. There have been countless times when I have gotten up much earlier than I wanted to, just so I can listen to God. When I finally learned that God was waking me up at a certain time every single morning, two to three hours before my alarm clock was supposed to go off, and he woke me up every single time, it was because he was trying to tell me something. He wanted to spend some time with me, and he knew that at that time of day, he could have that I can have his undivided attention. I can have his undivided attention. And in the, and, and, and when I follow that, I wasn't worried about getting sleep that day because I had plenty of energy. 
I didn't have to go out and get extra coffee oil, and I'm not a coffee drinker anyway, so I didn't have to go out and get any kind of coffee or caffeine or do anything out of the ordinary to give myself energy. God sustained me because I started my day with him, okay? So you might be thinking that God is waking me up and I don't want to get up. I'd rather just roll over and go back to sleep. I'm telling you, saints of God, get up if God is calling you in the middle of the night. Get up and see what he has to say. Don't sacrifice that time with God because you want to sleep a couple of extra hours. Because you may get those extra hours of sleep. You might feel good in the morning when you wake up. But you won't be able to make it through the entire day. Your energy will be zapped at the wrong time. And more importantly, even if you do have the energy to make it through the day, you're going to be going through the day without direction from God. You'll be going through the day focused on what you want to do and, and get it done the way you think that you should get it done. Okay? So don't allow even sleep, if you will, to exalt itself above God. Idols don't have to just be carved images or some sort of animal. They can actually be people as well. They can actually be people as well. I remember when I was in, um, I think it was fourth grade as a child, and we had this assignment in class. And the teacher said, I want you guys to write about your idol. Who is your idol and why are they your idol? And as a kid at that age, I knew, I knew the word of God said, you're not supposed to have idols. So I went to the teacher, and this was in public school. I went to the teacher up to the desk, and I said, you know, God doesn't want us to have idols, so I can't do this assignment because I don't have any idols. And then she said, with, with a smile, she, she, I could tell from her smile she understood where I was coming from, and she said, okay, write about somebody that you admire. I said, okay, I can do that. And I was able to complete the assignment. But people can be idols. People can very well be idols. Let's look at what the word of God says. Turn in your Bibles to Deuteronomy 13. Praise the living God. Deuteronomy 13. Verse, uh, verse number one. Deuteronomy 13, verse one. If there arises among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams, and he gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or the wonder comes to pass of which he spoke to you saying, let us go after other gods, which you have not known and let us serve them. You shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams for the Lord, your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord, your God with all your heart and with all your soul. You shall walk after the Lord, your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice. You shall serve him and hold fast to him. If you don't know the word of God, then you won't know that someone is trying to deceive you. Especially if this is a person that you admire and you hold in such high regard. We need to make sure that we are following the Lord's lead. In verse number four, it says, you shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him. In other words, we should be striving to to, to live our lives as close to acceptable, uh, uh, acceptable to God's standards as we possibly can as humans. And we should be walking after him, meaning we should be allowing God to lead us. We should never be walking in front of God. 
We should always be walking behind God so that we can follow him. We should be holding fast to him and clinging on to him so that whenever turmoil comes up, whenever challenges and trials and tribulations arise, that we can hold on to him because we're going to be safe because he's going to get us through it. That's what we should be doing. Not listening to what something, something that someone else said. People hold up prophets and men and women of God in such high regard sometimes that they don't see the deception that could be coming out of their mouths. Whether it's done purposely or by accident, they can't see it. Why? Because all they look at is the individual. And they say, oh, that 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 person must be a, a child of God. And because I can look at how that, that they're living it, they, they have to be a child of God. And they're focusing on what the person is saying and they're not correlating it to the word of God. This is why if you've ever listened to any one of our sermons other than this one here, anytime you've ever heard me preach and anytime you ever heard our pastor preach, he will always say, we always say, pause the message and go get your Bible. We always re 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 uh, refer to the Bible because... It's important that you see it for yourself. And I know I said this at the beginning of this message, but this is exactly why. Because I will never, as, 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 as long as I'm following the Holy Spirit, I will never lead somebody astray away from God. Okay, But at the end of the day, I'm a man. Every single one of us as human beings, as children of God, we are humans and therefore we are subject to error. So we have to make sure that we are listening to Holy Spirit in us just in case somebody that is supposed to be a child of God leads you astray. Okay, we have to make sure that we're focusing on God. Verse number five, but that prophet or that dreamer of dreams shall be put to death because he has spoken in order to turn you away from the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of bondage to entice you from the way which the Lord your God commanded you walk. You sh so you shall uh, put away the evil from, so you shall put away the evil from your midst. So again, we have to be very, 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 very careful about holding people up in such high regard. If we're not careful and we hold them up in that such high regard, they end up becoming an idol in our life. And they may purposely be trying to lead us astray and trying to get us to be like them. Even though we know what the word of God says. Verse number six. If your brother, the son of your mother, your son or your daughter, the wife of your bosom or your friend who is as your own soul secretly entices you saying, let us go and serve other, other gods which you have not known. Neither you, uh, neither you nor your fathers of the gods of the people which are all around you, near to you or far off from you, from one end of the earth to the other end of the earth, you shall not consent to him or listen to him, nor shall your eye pity him, nor shall you spare him or conceal him. What this is saying here is that it doesn't matter who's in your life. It doesn't matter what relationship you have with him. It doesn't matter how much they might mean to you and how much you might mean to them. If anyone comes and tells you that you should be serving some other God or doing anything that you know is not approved by God, don't listen to them. Don't heed them. Let them know what they're saying is false. Use Holy Spirit guidance to and ask Holy Spirit to give you the words to say to combat the lies that might be coming out of that person's mouth. Because that person could very well be trying to lead you astray purposely. 
Make no mistakes about the saints of God. There are a lot of people out there, a lot of people out there that want to see nothing more than to watch us fall, to watch us fail. So they can stand over us and say, hey, where was your God? Where was your God? All of those times that I invited you to go somewhere on a Sunday and you turned me down because you wanted to go to that church or you wanted to go pray or you wanted to go read your Bible. All those times you turned me down to go worship this being that doesn't exist. All of this time, how good, how, how good did that work out for you? How well did that work out for you? Look at you. There are people out there that will do that and they will act like they will act like they're your friends. They will try to get close to you just so they can watch you fall. Just so they can have a better seat in the house when you go down. And if we're not careful and if we don't see that and they start treating us so nicely and we all, oh man, this person is so awesome and we start to get really close to them. If we don't have our spiritual eyes on, we will never, ever, ever see the deceit that is coming. We will never see the deceit that is coming. That is how the, the, the deceit and divisions get sown in the church today. Because the enemy has been able to infiltrate the inner workings of the church. He's been able to influence certain people in, 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 in positions of power within, within that church or certain um, 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 saints of God that are in that church. He's been able to influ influence them and, and start leading them away to the point that they start leading others away. Okay, we got to be very, 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 very careful. Don't constantly take what somebody is saying as the as the gospel truth. 1 John 4, 1 says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. So if you lift somebody up to the point where they are almost on the same level as God, it's going to make it very hard for you to see the deception. It's going to make it very hard to see it, okay? It's going to make it very hard for you to, 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 to call out that, that, that false preaching that's coming forward because of who they are to you and what they mean to you. But what the word of God says here is that don't ignore it. Don't try to hide it. All right. Don't try to hide them. Don't try to make excuses for their, for their behaviors. Okay. We don't need to be doing those things. When we see it, we need to be able to act accordingly uh, based off of how Holy Spirit is guiding you and telling you what to say. But we don't just buy it hook, line, and sinker. All right. But you can also be led astray by people that could potentially be in your inner circle. We've got to be very careful about who we let in our inner circle. Because as I was saying earlier, if the devil can get somebody that you care about very close to you and deceive that person and get them to deceive you, that's what he's going to do. Look what happened in Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. The serpent got to Eve, Adam's wife led her astray. She then led Adam astray. And now all of mankind was thrust into sin because of that. That's how the devil operates. We have to be careful, okay? So idols can be people. They can be relationships. They can be things, you know, gadgets, cars. They can be hobbies. They can be work. It doesn't have to necessarily be something that you worship for it to be an idol. 
All it has to do is exalt itself to the level of God. Or, or I should say, all you have to do is exalt it or that person to a level that's almost as equal to God. And guess what? You've just created an idol. If you hang a cross over your bed because you think that cross is going to keep evil spirits away, guess what? You've created that cross. You've turned it into an idol. Why? Because you are believing that that cross is going to do the thing that God is going to do, which is to protect you at nighttime. You've now said that that thing, that image, that 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 whatever it's made out of, that object is going to do what God is going to do. Therefore, you just created an idol out of that because you said, and if anything, you probably exalted it above God because if you believe that God will keep you safe at night, that cross wouldn't be hanging over your bed. You wouldn't be using it as, as protection. It's important that we keep a, a watchful eye on what's happening around us so that we can potentially spot any idols that might be in our lives. Last few scriptures in closing, turn to Isaiah, uh, Isaiah chapter 21. Praise the living God. Isaiah 21. And we're going to go to verse number five. Yeah, verse number five. Isaiah 21, verse five. Prepare the table, set a watchman in the tower, eat and drink, arise you princes, anoint the shield. For thus has the Lord said to me, go set a watchman, let him declare what he sees. And he saw a chariot with a pair of horsemen, a chariot of donkeys and a chariot of camels. And he listened earnestly with great care. Then he cried, a lion, my Lord. I stand continually on the watchtower in the daytime. I have sat at my post every night. The main thing out of that is that we need to keep an eye out. We need to be watchful about what we're doing. We need to be watchful of, about the things that are happening around us so that we can then figure out if this, if these issues that are, that are surrounding me, if these things are related to something that I'm not doing, I need to be watchful so I can talk to God and find out what is it that I should be doing. If there's something that's in my life that's keeping me to, to, from focusing on God, I have to be watchful so I can identify it and talk to God about it. And I got to be able to listen to it because as children of God, we can't ever get to the place where we think that we are so holy that some of the things that have happened to people that we've read about in the Bible, or maybe even people that we know, we can't allow ourselves to get to that point where we think that can never happen to us. Because if we ever think that it can never happen to us, then the devil will be able to deceive us. If we ever think in our lives that we don't have any idols in our lives, the devil could potentially be, be deceiving us. So we need to be watchful. We need to consult Holy Spirit and we need to see and find out from him. Is there anything in our lives, Lord, that are keeping us from focusing on you? Is there anything in our lives that we are exalting to be either equal to you or above you? And whatever it is, we need to quickly get it out of our lives. That way, God's wrath isn't just poured out. I should say that way, God's wrath isn't poured out on us or those around us or those that come after us, our children and grandchildren. Okay, because as we've seen from these scriptures earlier, all right, God's wrath goes beyond just what we normally think. Our actions have bigger consequences than we actually than we actually think and what we actually realize. Praise God. Oh, well, I pray this message was a blessing to you. And now uh, as we close, let's pray. Oh, dear God, awesome Lord God, just so wonderful you are. And we just thank you for everything that you have done for us. 
I thank you, Lord God, for your message today. I thank you for your words, Lord. And I ask that you would speak to each and every single one of us, Lord God, and that you would reveal anything in our lives that would be a distraction from you, Lord God. Reveal to us any idols that we may have in our lives so that we can quickly get rid of us, get rid of them. Strengthen us, Lord God, that when we do identify those idols, that we would have the strength to 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 turn to you and, and not continue to put the idol before you, but to put you first in all that we do. Lord God, I pray, Lord, that you would continue to watch over us and that you would continue to bless us. Guide us in the path that you would want us to go, Lord God, and help us to glorify you in all things that we do. These things I pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen and amen. Well, praise God that this message was a blessing to you. Think about uh, passing it on to those that you might know, whether it's friends, family, loved ones, those that might be in opposition to you because it's not God's will for any of us to perish. So everyone could benefit from the word of God. And if you're being blessed by these things, you can give you can find us in, uh, at Genesis one dot. That's one word. Genesis one dot sermon dot net. And you can pass that link on to, to, to anyone. And and if you hit the subscribe button there, you'll be notified anytime new content is posted. So on that website, you can find all of our all of our sermons and they're all free of charge. Uh, we also have an app on the Google Play Store as well as the Apple Store, again, free of charge for downloading and accessing the content. And we also have a YouTube channel. You can find us at Genesis One Christian Ministries. Uh, if you search that in YouTube, our sermons will, will, will pop up there. And once again, I want to stress that they're all free of charge because we just want to make the word of God available to everyone um, so that everyone has has the opportunity to hear it and to be blessed by the messages. Praise God. Well, I pray that you go in his perfect peace. I pray that you go in his strength. I pray that you go and be victorious in all things that you set your hand to do. And remember that you can do all things through Christ Jesus that strengthens, that strengthens you. Go and be blessed. And I sing praises to you.